Okay, welcome to the Courtside Hoops podcast with Reg and Buckets. And, and Buckets, we're joined by two guests in this one for our first ever group chat segment, uh, Mr. Tolsha and Mr. Gleeson. Uh, first time for Tolsh, second time for Gleeso. How are you guys? Good, thanks, Reg. And Buckets. That's good. Good, good. Thank you, gents. Thanks for having us. No worries. We're, we're back. We're back. Yes. <laughs> we did try to, for those listening, we did try to call this the other day and I was playing around with settings and completely stuffed it up. So apologies for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, take two. Buckets, do you want to start by giving us a, a game six recap so we can uh, dive in and, and finish that one off before we get to some other bits and pieces? Yeah, absolutely. So game six was all about Giannis. Uh, 40, uh, 50 points, 14 rebounds, five blocks. He basically did everything um, on both ends of the floor for the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, certainly in that first half, he really had to carry the load on the offensive side of the equation. Uh, Middleton and Drew really struggled. Drew started one for 11 in that game. Um, probably one of the most surprising things was his ability to hit his free throws, 17 of 19. It's well documented he struggles there, but 17 for 19 is good for a, a Steph Curry type free throw shooter. So um, that was certainly a surprise. Probably what I loved about his game was he was having a historic game, but he still trusted his teammates down the stretch. And they ran that high pick and roll with 56 seconds to go to hand off to Chris Middleton to hit a jump shot, which basically sealed the game for them, put him up six with less than a minute to go. So he would have been well within his rights to try to be the hero, but he continued to play winning basketball, trust his teammates. Um, on the Phoenix side of things, you know, Devin Booker was very quiet. Um, we spoke about on the last pod that if he's not scoring the basketball, he doesn't do a lot to affect the game in any other area. Um, and that was evident in game six. He hit a jump shot with about six minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And that was the first time I really noticed him. Um, and I was surprised to see that was um, he had 17 points up until that point. But he went eight for 22, zero from seven from three. Um just, yeah, really had very little effect on the game. Um, DeAndre Ayton got dominated by Giannis and really showed that he is still 22 years of age. Um, he'll be better for the experience, but um, showed that he's still got a lot, to, a lot to learn in his NBA career. Um, but I think we all probably agree that was Giannis's crowning moment, you know, to, to score 50 points in a closeout game on your home floor. Um, not only is it one of the greatest finals games ever, but it probably puts the um, cherry on top of one of the most dominant finals performances and playoff runs that we've seen in NBA history. Excellent recap. Yeah, I, I mean, what, what more do you say other than Giannis was just a freak. <laughs> the Greek freak was a freak. <laughs> like, from especially, I think, from that third quarter. Uh, I think he had 20 or something in that quarter and was just attacking the rim, attacking the rim. They could have put... Uh, you know, build the wall as they often say when you're when you're trying to defend him, and he was euro stepping left right. But I think on top of that, what I really like was he he had a bit of a a little bit of a floater slash um, you know turnaround fadeaway sort of game from deep in the paint. And as we have spoken about in the past buckets, if he can just get a shot that's reliable other than just being able to get to the ring, even if it is a mid ranger, like how do you stop him? Like he's just far too athletic and and freakish to be able to stop that. Um, so yeah, I was. What more do you say? Giannis was was unreal. As you talked about, I think Middleton that that shot with just under a minute to go, pull up from the from the elbow extended sort of area, um, was just a, a classic Chris Middleton shot. You know, a timely shot to pretty much seal the deal. Had been doing it nearly every single game, or at least the last few. Um, and then it's just you know, champagne flows, smoke the cigars, and live the dream of being a champion. Or if you're Giannis, just 
try to put the cigar in your mouth and then spit it out because you think it's disgusting. <laughs> what did you think, Pat and Tosh? Go for it, Tosh. Oh, I mean, I uh, I agree with Buckets. I think that uh, it was all about Giannis, 50 points, close out game. Not much more needs to be said. He's an absolute uh, champion on the back of all these other accolades that he has. Um, you know, I do feel a bit sorry for, for CP3 not being able to get a ring, but um, no, it was well played by the Bucks and, um, you know, well played by Giannis. Yeah, I think echo, echoing that as well, I think it's, it's all about Giannis. I mean, was he free from the free throw line? 16 from 18, something like that. Like, you know, he, he finally hit free throws, right? So that, that goes a long way when he's shooting free throws. Uh, he's probably put up one of the best closeout performances of all time. So there's not much to, to really go. I think that, that, think that they really showed the inexperience of the Phoenix team towards the end there as well. Aiton had a game you'd want to forget as a game six in the NBA finals. And then I think just their, their younger guys just do a bit overawed. You know, that, again, we've, we, as you said, it takes a wall to stop him. But even then, there wasn't going to be a whole lot of wall stopping him then because he was just getting around everyone and, and doing everything at ease. So Chris Paul did a really good job trying to, I think he had 13 points in the third quarter, or second, second or third quarter there, and he went on a bit of a stretch himself and kind of carried the team there. But I think you know, the Devin Booker's probably hasn't shot the ball that poorly for a long time as well. So it was a it was a good game six. It was a good series, but um, yeah, I think the better team and, and more healthy team won in, towards the end. And I mean, what can you say? The, the man poured in 50, and it was game. 50 off one three pointer too, which is pretty. Rare. There, there, there is a pub. There is a pub though that we've got brought to attention. That's probably closed now because they were giving away a shot every for every free throw that Giannis hit. That, that's a, <laughs> that's a tough gig. <laughs> you, you'd think you'd, pretty, you'd be pretty safe with that, but unfortunately not. Yeah. Was the pub was the pub in Milwaukee or was was it? I don't know actually. I just because I, I tell you, I tell you what. Imagine if it was in Milwaukee near the stadium and. Those people that were on their way to that 60, 70,000 outdoor area, man, you'd be running out of liquor. <laughs> I think most would have felt pretty good when he got to 10 made free throws. And then from 10 to 17, it would have been, please miss, please miss, please miss. <laughs> Imagine by the fourth quarter, you would, you would have been asleep when it come down the stretch in the fourth quarter when he was at the line. How many fourth quarter free throws did he have? <laughs> You yeah, wonder if the wonder if you wonder if the owner of the pub uh, decided to veto the last quarter or last half of uh, free throws after he'd made his tenth. Well, they would have all been lying around, <laughs> passed out, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> um, Buckets, I want to start with you with this one. Um, was this the greatest closeout game in NBA Finals history? Uh, because that's what some people are, are viewing uh, that performance as. Yeah, so I've seen that debate, and look. Clearly, it's one of the best. Like it's on the podium, you would think it's easily top five in terms of closeout performances. It's rare enough to see guys score fifty in the finals alone, let alone in a closeout game. But for me, Game Seven, two thousand and sixteen, still is is the greatest closeout game that that I've seen and and is in NBA history. Like to have twenty seven points, eleven rebounds, eleven assists away from home against a team that had won 73 games, all that pressure, the magnitude of a Game 7, knowing that if you lose, you lose the championship. Yes, Game 6 is big, but if they had lost that game, they're still going back to, to Phoenix for a chance to, to win the championship. So 
Although the numbers that LeBron put up in that game seven aren't close to what Giannis did, for me, the magnitude of the moment and also giving props that it's away from home, which I think is a big deal, especially um, in the playoffs when you've got a full stadium all rooting against you. So for me, that that still is the greatest closeout game that I've ever seen in NBA history. Alsh, what do you reckon? Yeah, look, I I, uh, I agree that it's one of the the, the um, better of the the closeout games in history. I mean, obviously, no Heath loves uh, loves LeBron and likes likes that that performance. But for me, I, I like MJ's nineteen ninety eight uh, final shot against Utah Jazz, still off Carl Malone, dribble down, catch it at the free throw line. Forty five points to me is uh, just that context of his last game at Bulls and um, sixth championship. To me, I, I thought that was a uh, Definitely on the podium as well. And Scotty basically on half a leg. Yeah. <laughs> with his yeah. bad back. Yeah. <laughs> now, Pat, being a Lakers fan, I know you're going to drop some Lakers performance here on me. So give it to us. <laughs> We've got two games. And obviously, I think everyone's going to probably be able to guess the first one. I mean, Magic coming in as a rookie, game six against Dr. J and that stacked net, uh, stacked Philly side. Starts at centre after Kareem goes down with a sprained ankle in, in game five. He comes out and has 42, 15 rebounds, seven assists, and it's 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 game, right? So that's that's probably number one all time. Sorry. LeBron can go to two. It's number one all time. It's, it's, we're, not, we're not discussing it. It's number one. <laughs> what about but, the 37 points from Jamal Wilkes? I mean, you, there's always got to be a Robin too, right? It's you a know, pretty good Robin. That, that might be man. Batman and Superman, I think. A, a, man can't, a, man, <laughs> a man can't do it all. He's a, he's a rookie. Give him a break, mate. He's starting at centre. Anywho, I think an under, underrated one. It's, it's, it, it's, it's not one I love to bring up because it, it was 2003 and it was the one where I think Carmelo had come to join us when we were going for the four-peat. <laughs> it didn't quite pan out thanks to the, uh, the Spurs, but uh, Tim Duncan, I think, in a closeout game against the New Jersey Nets. Uh, it's 21 points, 20 rebounds, 10 assists, 8 blocks. Um, that's a pretty good closeout. That's a pretty good closeout game in the NBA Finals. Um, but, he, but he would have done it in such a boring fashion that it wouldn't have been that exciting. <laughs> that was just his game. I get it. But against, I get it. I'm with you. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like bringing it up myself. But just, it's... just, just consistently dominated the entire every quarter, but just consistently with everything being yeah. so boring. So. Yeah. yeah. And he probably maybe made a facial expression once, and that was when the final siren went. And he won. <laughs> that's probably it. I like it. Though. That's yes. a solid. That's a solid pick. Solid Stephen pick. Jackson's a big fan of that one. He brings that up a fair bit. I mean, I mean, I, I would too if it got me a ring too. I mean, Stephen Jackson <laughs> ain't, done, ain't done nothing much else. So. <laughs> what about you, Reg? Ah, <laughs> oh, definitely Jordan '98, and I'm not biased at all. No, I am biased. That's <laughs> Jordan '98. <laughs> definitely <laughs> on the road. For, I think Jordan was 34 at the time. That is terrible shooting night, but just found a way to get to the line. As I said, Pippen was struggling. Um, and I, I reckon, I guess I'm biased because, of, as you mentioned, Tal, was the last minute or so. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Utah hits that big three to, um, to go up three, and it's like, you know, here we go again. You know, are we going to force it? Are we going to see Jordan's first game seven in the finals? And then to get a quick, a very, very quick bucket, which I still believe he was fouled on, but that's a whole nother debate. Um, 
definitely a body foul. And then to come down and, and <laughs> just know exactly what they're going to do um, and just do it and hit the shot and hold the follow through. Gonna, and Are we not going to talk about the, the push off into Byron, Byron's butt or are we, we, we're, we're bypassing that? If we're talking push offs, we're, we're talking Reggie Miller's push off on Jordan. We're not talking about this. We're, to, we're talking about this one. So, with a shove, get off me and shove. You, and I'm having a you, so the Russell was already fallen. The momentum, he was gone. Jordan just gave him a nudge, just a little that's, tap. That's a flagrant foul in today's game. <laughs> You're right. You're right. It is. And that's the problem with today's game. <laughs> I think I think I think the other thing for that game for me too is you know Jordan steals it and it's not there's no timeouts there's nothing it's just you know do or die I win yeah as Dennis said get the hell out of the way <laughs> 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 well there you go four different people two agree and two uh, have got their own calls and Pat's thrown an extra into the mix just uh, I'm sure Spurs fans around the world are so happy with you right now Pat. <laughs> Which I don't love. I don't love at all. <laughs> Better than Boston fans, eh? Oh, next. <laughs> um, playoffs finals thoughts for this year. Uh, Pat, start with you. What did you think about it overall? Um, interesting final series. Uh, I think <clears throat> probably the first one we've seen in a long time really affected by health. And it's not in the way of you know, that we, we lost a lot of stars along the way and you didn't probably get a lot of the series you wanted to see. But I still think it was really good basketball. I think it was kind of refreshing too to see some of the young guys, you know, Trey Young's performance for Atlanta to get them to a conference finals. Um, you know, New York, just to see what they did and come in. You know, I think and seeing new faces, I think it was pretty, I think it was refreshing for the league. I think it was good to see. Um, and then, you know, Milwaukee, you know, they looked like they were going to fold again. And then, Kevin Durant's big toe just missed out on that on that line, but you know I think I think we saw some really good series in the West. You know, it's 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 always a bloodbath over there. I think you know you look at Denver as well. If they were probably you know if Jamal Murray's there, it's it's a bit different. You know, Kawhi goes down. You know, LeBron is kind of thereabouts. Chris Paul as well. I think the COVID effect as well with people going in and out of health and safety protocols as well. I think that was, it's all, you know, it was managed as best could be, but it definitely made for a bit more even and uh, unpredictable final series. But, um, you know, fourth, fourth champion, four different teams. Was it fourth champion in, fourth different champion in four years, in the yeah. last four years? So, you know, we've got a good spread. There's different teams making it, different teams are winning. Some of these younger kids, which I know, Buckets loves this younger generation. They're coming through like they're, they're getting ready to go. They showed some signs. So, no, I was a big fan of this year and can't wait to see what, what it looks like next year. Hopefully, they don't bring in a plane. Buckets? Well, I think the plane's going to stay at least for another season. Um, I'm not a huge fan of it. It does make it good that, you know, we actually have some reason to watch the last. 15 to 20 games of the season. So I don't think you get your wish there. The playing will stay for a while. But for me, my, my I guess, final thoughts on the playoffs as a whole is, um, and I mentioned this on a couple of pods ago, but Kawhi Leonard and Kevin Durant, this was their last chance to win a championship. They, they won't win another championship now. Um, because of the 21 to 26-year-olds in this league. They, they showed in this playoffs that they are coming and they are coming hard. So, you know, that's what's exciting to see because 
LeBron and Steph Curry basically dominated it for the last 10 years, the last decade. And hopefully LeBron and Anthony Davis can stay healthy and, and sneak another one, maybe two in, in LA. But going forward from that, these next young kids are going to run the table for the next five to 10 years. So that, that's what I took away. And probably the other thing was just how good crowds are. You know, to see 22,000 in the stadium in game six, 65,000 outside the stadium, seeing those fan reactions to the big plays, that's what makes sport great. You know, as much as it's good to see what they actually do on the on the floor and see how talented they are, it's that fan engagement that just takes it to a whole new level. Um, I think we all agree that as a player and as a fan, being part of massive crowds just makes everything 10 times better. So it's great to see and gives us hope that we'll see that in Australia going forward as well. Tosh? Yeah, um, look, I uh, probably similar to Pat's, um, Pat's call in terms of I felt that the playoffs and that were good and exciting. Um, I guess for me though, I like um, I like watching the best players play every every game. And um, you know, the health uh, was an issue coming into the playoffs. I think there was what was there like nine or ten like all stars who pretty much didn't play a, a fair bit of the games um, that they were meant to, um, which I think really you know obviously impacted you know the, the end results of the of the of the finals. But um, you know, still good to get new teams winning and um, you know new new champions crown. Um, yes, I mean, that's probably one of my biggest, biggest takeoffs on it is, you know, you've got to be healthy and it shows how good, how important health is towards the latter end of the season. Um, but I also do, I actually like the play, I actually like the playing games. I, I think, um, you know, when you look at the, say like a sport like tennis, when you have wild card seedings, it's, it's, you know, it's sort of that anything can happen, you know, if you hit your straps and you, and you find good form and you can, you can push your way through, you know, you can make anything happen. So I actually like the idea of, um, you know, of potentially wild card teams just having a good run and knocking, you know, uh, seventh and eight seeds out and, and coming in and potentially going all the way, which is going to be difficult. But um, no, I like it. Do you think? Do you think the playing like I don't know? For me, it's it's been for ever and a day that we've ever watched NBA is that you've been you can sit in seventh and eighth and you're comfortable. You know, you made the playoffs, right? So. Think about it, take away from the actual playing basketball perspective and think about it from a business perspective. You're going to get four, you're going to get two games of crowds in. So you're going to get some cash flow coming, ticket sales, you're going to get food, bev sales, merch sales, all that kind of stuff. You could possibly finish in a six, what, seventh seed and not get any of that. Mm. I don't know. I don't love it. I don't love it. I don't love it. I think it just comes down, like, for me, I'm half-half because I support a team that needs the play-in to be. (laughs) Hey, hey, so does my my team. (laughs) But I think the traditionalist in me says you've got 82 games in a normal season to secure a playoff spot. Like, how is it fair that you might go 82 games, say, and finish seventh and then might get knocked out? Like, I don't – I just don't think that's fair in that sense. Um, but I also think, I know the NBA has always spoken about for ages trying to reduce the amount of games, and I wonder if having a playing tournament will allow them to reduce some of the normal regular season game length because you know you're getting a bit extra money through playing games. And surely they won't come to this, but who would know if they end up having, like, instead of having it at the current format, they actually had more games to the playing to try to make it even, you know, mm-hmm. um, to, to bring more money into your point, Pat. And, of course, you would bring that up, Ben, in, in sports management. <laughs> I think... <laughs> 
I, I, it's, it's fair. You make a good point. <laughs> but I think he could shorten the season. I like what you've said there. Shorten the season. Maybe go to like a 60, 62 game season, right? And then have some other little side tournament, if you want, where you can be kind of like, you know, like a European soccer style where they do the cup. Like, for example, in England, where they do the FA Cup, they run that alongside the normal Premier League season, something like that, where you could do, you could have something in there and you could experiment more. You get more of your G League guys in there as well. And, you know, you kind of give those guys a time to shine. And I'm sure it creates its own prestige along the way. But yeah, I feel like you just, I don't like change. Like, imagine if you did that in AFL, right? Imagine the top eight <laughs> is no longer the top eight, it's the top six that definitely get a spot. And then, Ninth and tenth, bloody Richmond could have played in a lot more finals. Like you, know, you never know. Like, it's just, I, I don't, I don't love it. I don't love it. Funny you say that though. Think... Won't the aren't the AFL always just a little bit behind the way NBA does stuff? So it's probably coming in the next ten years. The AFL will definitely have a plan. Yeah. Well, you look at how popular it is in the NFL. It's yep. their wild card game. But I think the NBA is trying to. They're trying to get something for that wilderness team. So. Yeah. I must say that if you finish between ninth and say eleventh in your conference, that's NBA wilderness. That's where you never want to be. You're outside of the playoffs, and you've got real no real shot of getting a high lottery pick in the draft. So, you know, to have it where if you're in those ninth or ten positions, then you do have an opportunity to make the playoffs. It at least gives those teams in NBA wilderness something to play for at the back end of the year. Same so reason they change the draft format. To, to have it more even, you know, but to try and if you, there's, there's no, not as much incentive to tank anymore. There's more incentive yeah. to win, you know, which is the yeah. whole idea behind it. The historical Charlotte Hornets position of the, let's just make the playoffs every year and get, play, get eliminated in the first round and get out, get our playoff <laughs> revenue and off we go. Jordan is a very wealthy man. <laughs> hey, hey, he knows, knows, how, knows how to make money in a, in a small market. That's for sure. That's right. Um, just going back to the finals, um, Chris Paul's legacy, obviously first time making the finals, but they don't get the job done. Uh, or his team, his team doesn't get the job done. Not sessions that he didn't get the job done. Um, does that ruin his legacy or, or is it affect it in any way or does it actually enhance it? Um, Tosh. Uh, no, look, for, for me, I, I don't think it, um, I don't think it ruins his legacy. I think that, I mean, I think everyone wants to see Chris Paul win a ring. Um, I mean, I don't think that it that it does hurt it too much. I mean, we know that pretty much every team that Chris Paul's gone to, the, the win-loss record pretty much skyrockets and, um, you know, the teams make the playoff and are generally, you know, uh, pretty pretty high contenders in, in those playoffs or at least, you know, um, a bit of a wild card at the very least. So I think we all know, you know, um, how good he is and, and what he can do to a team and, um, you know, how he can lead them. Um, I mean, I just – I do think now – you know, this was Chris Paul's one and only shot at winning the ring unless he, um, you know, gets a trade to an absolute contender with a couple of superstars or um, or Phoenix decide to tr- somehow recruit a, a superstar across to, to bolster their team even more. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, for me, I think his legacy will still be that he's a fantastic and a fantastic point guard and probably top, probably nearly top three or four point guards to really ever play the game. Um, but... Um, yeah, unfortunately, he just, he's not. I don't think he's going to win a ring, and, and that's a bit of a shame. What do you reckon, Pat? Uh, I don't reckon it. I don't reckon it tarnishes his legacy. Uh, I'd, pro- pro- I'd probably say it enhances. Uh, does it enhance it? It enhances a little bit, I'd say. I think you know he he he, he, he finally got there, and I think you know he wasn't exactly the number one guy like he probably wanted to be leading a team there. I think that that's gone for him, but I think being the 
leader of the team. I think it was a good a good step for him to get there. I know, you know, there's you can talk about all you want. He's got, he's got I think he's got the NBA record now for um, the most playoff series losses after going two nil up. And I think that was the fourth time. And I think Blake Griffin's coming second with three, which he did with Chris Paul at the Clippers. So, you know, you can talk about all the times he's lost, but I think I don't think it hurts his reputation at all, getting to be honest. I think it's you kind of transition from being that star player to a to the leader of the team, I guess, um, and taking a team there. And a young team too, you know, you bring in Monty Williams, you bring in Chris Paul, you bring in a few good free agents, Jay Crowder, and, you know, Dario Sarag might have come in last year as well, but, you know, a bit of minutes there as well. You know, the young guys develop eight and leaps. So I don't think I don't think it hurts his career, uh, no. But yeah, I think I think it puts him. It, it doesn't really affect it, to be honest. Like it's what do you reckon? Yeah, so I think in terms of overall, like if you had to said at the start of the year, okay, this is what Chris Paul's legacy is all the way to the end, then certainly it's been enhanced by making the finals. If you look <laughs> at it more in a shorter period of time. From once they once he had that performance in the conference finals in game six, you know, his legacy and his reputation just went through the roof. He was like after pay. He just shot through the roof. People were saying greatest point guard ever, all this sort of stuff. Um, so I think from from being at that at the start of the finals to what it is now at the end of the finals, um, it has dropped a little bit, but I think overall it's certainly um, enhanced his legacy being able to make the finals. It's taken him out of that category of greatest player to never make the finals. Um, it's now <coughs> elevated him into to that next category where he's going to be you know, viewed the same as a Charles Barkley, Reggie Miller, Patrick Ewing, guys that were able to make the finals but never actually able to capture a, a ring, um, which is, again, that's not the category you want to be in, but certainly it's it's elevated to that category of uh, you're always going to be that one that, yeah, you were fantastic, but you could never get to the finals and you had so many playoff failures um, in the past, as Pat said, four times being up 2-0 and lost, you know, being up 3-1 and lost. I think this has appeased a lot of that sort of stuff by being able to make the finals finally. I think key to that was playing well in game six after the bad four and five. I think if he had then had a bad game six, the narrative would around him would have stayed the same, would have been, well, you're up 2-0 and you failed again. Whereas playing well in game six has taken that away a bit. Um, and we'll look at him, as Pat said, the chances of him being able to lead a team to a championship are gone now at 36. Maybe he gets a ring in the next two or three years, uh, like what a Jason Kidd did in Dallas or a Gary Payton did in Miami. Um, but yeah, I think it certainly appeased some of those past playoff failures for him. Thank you. I think you make a good point there too. You got the, the closeout game in the Western Conference Finals where he gets 41 and this closeout game here where I think 26, 36, what do you end up 20, with there? 26, 26 sorry. So, you know, he, he plays well in those games where it mattered. I think that's 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 one thing that does stand out where you can't go and hate on him now for, yeah, he, he failed again, but he played well and did everything he could. I think the reason why his legacy enhances for me is buckets. We've spoken about this heap on this podcast, but you almost need one of those ridiculous wings, two-way wings to win a championship. You know, you go back over the last decade or so and everyone's got one of those sort of guys. They don't really have a point guard who's their best player. 
um, who, who, and you go on to win a championship. And again, this year, the, the best player on the court in the series, Giannis, was one of those tall, you know, ridiculously athletic well, wings, bigs. He's, he, can do the, you know, he's the, he can do the works. He's not really, you can't really, you can't really put Giannis in a category. He's in his own category. But to me, that's why it's like, you got to give credit to Chris Paul because I think we spoke about it in the last pod. You asked me um, at that stage, who would I give the MVP to if the series was to end there between for Phoenix and taking the result out of it? Um, and I said it was a, a close call and you completely put me in my spot and explain why it wasn't a close call at all. Um, <laughs> and you were spot on. You were, you were spot on because of that doing other stuff that, that um, Booker was unable to do. And I had the old classic recency bias because Booker was coming off back-to-back 40-point back <laughs> games. <laughs> um, but I think for me, that's where it, where it enhances it. The reason why I think, um, I mean, we, we all are in agreement there, but I think there'll be people who will use it against him uh, because they'll see it as another playoff failure. There's guys the skip bailuses of the world. There's guys who use it against <laughs> Charles Barkley, Reggie. There's guys who come alone. There's guys who use it against everybody. The fact that they never want to ring. Now, as he said, you've elevated from never made finals, so you're in that next category. And then you're then there's that category of oh yeah, well they made the finals, but then they they didn't really you know put up a show or or, or the, the history will show it was four two and they go oh yeah look yeah you know, they got a couple of games but really. Yeah, most people look at four two as not really being that close, which is pretty crazy considering it's only one game away from a game seven. <laughs> but I mean, that, that, that's where I think it, it it'll be interesting to see maybe in I don't know ten years time how people view him because I think we're all in, agree- in agreement that unless he goes somewhere else, which in my view I think he's going to return to to Phoenix. But if he does go somewhere else and and gets a Jason Kidd type ring. It's it's almost different again because people don't look at Jason Kidd and go, well, he's he led his team to a ring. Not really. He got it at a different stage of his career. Um, so yeah, I think it's for me it enhances because it's a point guard doing something at age thirty six that he probably shouldn't be doing in in leading his team here. To Tulsh's earlier point, yes, injuries and everything um, played a played a role. If AD was never injured in the first round, do they get past the Lakers? You know, who knows if LeBron no. wasn't playing on one point five legs because his legs weren't quite under him either. You know, Pat says no. no. These are the questions no. that you can ask pretty much every playoff series about something. You know, there's always something. And that's why you, you need a little bit of luck um, as well come this time of year. And, and obviously health is, is really important. But I think, I think, I don't think we're going to hear the, we're going to hear the end of the, um, the CP3 enhance or, or uh, decrease his legacy. And, and you're probably right, Pat. I think, I think Skip will definitely be on the, uh, the downside oh, of yeah. that discussion as he is in, in 99% of things. <laughs> yeah. I think he, I think he's the, the boats. And I think as, as he's kind of pointed out, I think the, the boat's gone for him now to be, you know, he had, the Clippers was his chance, right. To be the leader of a team, to yep. win the ring. That was his best position he'd been in. Uh, that's gone. You probably this is a bit of an unexpected chance, you'd say. You, you could probably could argue, you know, again, as as Tosh kind of pointed out, you know, the injuries and those kind of things and everything that kind of the way this final series panned out. You know, I think the other thing is that we 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 forget is we always have these moments with Chris Paul in the playoffs where he gets hurt and he goes down. So I think the the first series against LA where he gets hurt and you think, Oh, not again. And then and he recovers from that, gets through and then gets struck down with the health and safety protocols and misses those first two games and you're like uh not again like it's i think this was it it had a very chris paul like year to it as per normal with him getting hurt and you know missing games here and there thinking he might he might be done and i just think yeah it's it's a bit of an unexpected one for him so it was good to see him get it and experience it which is fantastic but 
I just don't see unless, as Tolf kind of pointed out, unless he unless he forces a move out of there, sign a trade. He though he wants that money. He, he wants he wants that two year cash. So um, it'd be interesting interesting to see what he does. He probably, want, probably wants to invest in those afterpay shares. <laughs> <laughs> Need to get in earlier. <laughs> Uh, on, on the flip side, then, uh, Giannis's legacy, I think we would all agree, is uh, enhanced. Um, Bucket, what do you think? Buckets, what do you think overall about Giannis's legacy and where it stands now, as opposed to before this? Yeah, so so for me, his legacy is very much in limbo. Um, in terms of, so you know, he's a two-time MVP, he's a Defensive Player of the Year, and now he's a, a champion and a Finals MVP. So he, he's now a lock to be a Hall of Fame. But we know everyone makes the basketball hall of fame. So he's he's in a posi- he's in a position now where it, it can go one way or the other. So he has an opportunity at 26 to be one of the top 10 greatest players to have ever played the game of basketball, which is a very um, select group. Or see, for me at the moment, I view him very much the way I view like Hakeem. So. Hakeem was able to cash in on the two years that Jordan was out of the league and the Bulls weren't at full strength back in the 90s. Um, Tremendous player, um, but no one else was winning championships during the 90s um, when the Bulls were at full strength. So what Milwaukee have done is, as we've, we've mentioned, that there was a lot of injuries to key players during this playoff run. So it was right for the picking for a team to walk right through that door that had been opened up by those injuries. And Milwaukee were in the perfect position to do that. They were battle-tested from two years of playoff failure. They had a team that had played together for a long time, added pieces in Drew Holiday and PJ Tucker to give them that extra boost to get them over the top. And once that opportunity presented themselves, they grabbed it with both hands and took it all the way to the bank. So for me, that's where I see Giannis at the moment as someone that's been able to to cash in on an opportunity and, and win this first ring and have a tremendous run. Now we have to see what sort of longevity he has. Is this going to be something where he has this ultimate prime over four to five years where he wins the MVPs, wins a championship, and then it sort of flattens out or starts to decline you know, as he gets to 27, 28? Or does, if, if he's able to sustain this over the next five to six years, win another one, two, three rings, then you start having the conversation about him being one of the greatest of all time. Um, which is what I mean by his legacies in limbo at the at the moment. Pat, what do you think about Giannis? And and I guess in response to Heath's views, just in limbo again. Like, what are we? <laughs> I'm just not sure about this in limbo. He's two-time MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, NBA champion, Finals MVP. He's 26 years old. Limbo. Um, yeah. Uh, so, interest, interest, interesting words. Uh, if, that's, if that's limbo, I want to be in limbo. Because <laughs> that's, a, that's a super max. That's what that is. That's, and you've got super max. So, yeah. No. I think it's he's, he's one of those different ones. We, we talk about players needing to win a ring, win a ring for their legacy and, and those kind of things. And we don't talk about that, Fiannis. I don't think we've, we've, we've kind of broached that yet. But... I think you, as you said earlier in the, in the in the pod, Reg was he he needs to find that one thing. He needs to find that go to. That's the next step for me. I don't think, or from awards or anything like that. I don't think there's anything else he needs to do. Like if he wins one, as as he said in his press conference, if we win one, so be it. Done it. We did it. Like they've done it. They, you know, they 
they won the title with one lottery pick being Brooke Lopez, seven first round picks. I don't think you're ever going to see an, another NBA title be won by a team that has one lottery player. I just don't think it's ever going to happen again. The young talent, it's just too good now, as Heath kind of pointed out earlier. So I think for, him, for me, it's not that his legacy is now just building on his game and just getting better and, make, and being consistent. Because we, <clears throat> we talk about you know transitioning of players when they lose that athleticism and that dominance. Now you look at Westbrook now and he's kind of coming out of that out of that athleticism phase now, well, his jump is still disgusting and his shot selection <laughs> is still disgusting. <laughs> um, I enjoy, I'm going to enjoy listening to this on playback once the Lakers trade for him probably and I'm going to love that <laughs> even more. So, um, But yeah, I think that's for me, that's kind of where it goes. So I, I don't know if that Milwaukee team is built to win again if everything is all... Rosie and healthy. I mean, Brooklyn, what Brooklyn have got there, you know, they're an inch away from from sending them home. But then also you've got, you know, a fully healthy Brooklyn team. That's pretty scary. I don't I don't really see them getting there. You know, Philly and B's only going to get better, whatever they do with Simmons and those kind of things. I don't know. So from a, a rings and all that standpoint, I don't think it's about that with him. I think it's more about what's next in his own game and how he develops. Moving forward, you know, he, he's just relying on raw beast mode at the moment but we know that that doesn't last forever as we've seen with LeBron you know he's had to go down to the post to get a shot and he's he's, he's got a, a improved jumper you know you can't leave him wide open anymore whereas you can still leave Giannis wide open and he just shot 16% in the NBA finals so yes he's got shot 60% field goals and that's remotely you know predominantly in the paint but he needs to add something I think that's probably going to need to be the next step for him to to create that legacy because we all know the trajectory he's on, right? It's, it's going to be a Hall of Famer, but it's just about what he does next. Alsh, what do you reckon? Uh, I, probably very, very similar to what Buckets and, and Pat has said. Like, you know, for me, um, you know, I think his legacy will still be, you know, he's still going to be a Hall of Famer. That's that's for sure. But, you know, for me, I also think he's got no more excuses now. Like he's kind of on the top of the mountain. And, you know, I know that, you know, it's, it's tough being on top of the mountain because, you know, everything gets scrutinised. And, you know, LeBron never got any any chances when he was on top of the mountain. The moment he failed, it was all on top of him. So I think the same thing with Giannis now. Like if he's, you know, purporting to be the best player in the league and, um, you know, be that dominant beast and people saying, you know, he's now the best player in the league, that he, that now comes with, um, I guess, the expectation of, um, of winning and, and um, you know, winning MVPs and winning championships and all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, I, I do. I don't know for how many more he's going to win because, as you know, as Pat was saying, you know, I think that with a healthy Brooklyn and potentially if Lakers make a trade and, and AD gets healthy, you know, I think that it's going to be really hard for Giannis to to, to continue to win rings. Um, and, and again, I just think that you know, it's, for me, it really depends how much of a fundamental game will, will he develop um, once his athleticism starts to starts to decline. I mean, he's only twenty six and he's probably got a lot of athleticism left in his game. But, you know, is he going to be that reliable person like, you know, when Tim Duncan started to slow down, he could still, you know, get 15, 20 points and 10, 15 rebounds a game being 38. Like, um, you know, is, is Giannis going to be able to do, do those kind of things and develop fundamental jump shots and all that kind of stuff to me? Is that's really the next part of, you know, once his um, athleticism, yeah, uh, is no longer his asset, um, is he going to be relevant in the league? 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I still think the sky's the limit for him. You know, if he continues to get better and can win win chips over these healthy teams, then yeah, I think exactly what Buckets was saying is definitely in, in the category of potentially hitting that greatest of all time. Yeah, look, I think I think I I'm not I don't have too much to add because I think I can just echo pretty much what's been said um, thus far. Um, I think for me, the the thing is now that he's he's elevated to that elite level of MVP and champion. Um, I think once you get MVPs, but you can't get the title, the pressure just is immense. Yeah. So now, now that you've got, I mean, it's about damn time or whatever LeBron said when he finally got one. Like you, you realize just that that is everything, uh, particularly when you're at that level of being an MVP player. If your tier's below that, it's a little bit different. But when you're in that tier, that's the next step is winning the title. Now that he's got one, it's like, do you keep adding to it? Like, do you, and even, jokingly spoke about, oh, trade me now to a super team, blah, blah, blah. But those sorts of things actually may happen down the track now that he's got one. And in his, um, in his view and a lot of people's view did it the right way. Now he's like that, that is now gone off my shoulders. It's now just all about adding to the legacy that I've already got. Um, And I I agree. If he can, if he can find a go-to move, um, which I think he's getting better and better at in that mid range, he just becomes that much harder to guard and I put him in the same sort of category although they're, they're very different plays to KD there that the length of them just is so hard to stop KD uh, in his view in, sorry KD's skill is pretty much anything but he can shoot from you know 35 feet Giannis can't do that yet well, but, he, yeah. But, yeah, but if he can get into the mid-range and do that and do it consistently <clears throat> how do you stop it particularly in playoffs when the game slows down which we've spoken about heaps buckets is it's so important that you know the art of the mid-range come come the finals and look at game six there was i think it was combined maybe 10 three-pointers hit across both teams or even less yeah. like 11 11 12 yeah 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 so yeah i think both, team, both teams shooting around 20 percent and, and we talk about it as well like the two well, milwaukee were the worst three-point shooting team in the in the nba finals since yep. detroit in 04 like it's yeah, it's it is what it is. As you, as you talked about earlier too, though, where, you know he's getting that he's getting that little jump shot now, which he, we want to see him work on that back to the basket. And you know, yeah. Deandre Ayton's not a small boy, and when he's jumping up full full length and hands up, he's just going over the top of him. So that that's from that that charge zone area. So if you can extend that out, that's a pretty dangerous shot. There's too much more he can do on defense. I mean, he's had me and Bucket spoke about his block on the last pod has been one of the greatest blocks ever. He had some ridiculous blocks again in game six, just coming from the weak side and just absolutely smashing it out of nowhere. Uh, Defensive player of the year. Again, you're only adding more hardware if he goes and wins another one or something. But I think in terms of of a defender, he's he's pretty good. Like, (laughs) there's not too many more levels I think he can get to as a a defender. (laughs) Question I've got for you guys, just just before we move on, is just because it just came to me. Do you reckon there's an asterisk... Um, and I know we spoke about the asterisks of the bubble in last finals. But oh, yeah. I'm going to talk about... No, no, people were saying it's it's either... Hard, like using it as it was a harder season because of the bubble and the breakup. Yeah, and yeah. other people yeah. were using it as it was simpler because of the bubble, blah, blah. Do you reckon there's an asterisk because of the toughness of this season because of COVID that it actually makes this better? Now, I know the other flip side of that is the injuries that people will say, well, he didn't have to face a healthy team. But do you reckon it's enhanced because of... Everyone just spoke about just how hard it was having to get tested 5,000 times a day, which I know is a gross exaggeration, but it was a lot. Um, and, and obviously work your way through all these different scenarios to actually get to win a title. It's just another mental, I guess, layer on top of how hard it is anyway. Do you reckon there's an asterisk or it's just a, a stock standard? 
championship move on. Anyone jump in? <laughs> I reckon it's um I reckon it's stock standard to me. It's not an asterisk. I mean, I think every every year there's ups and downs of teams that they've got to face and health problems and you know staffing changes and all that kind of stuff. You know, like I think that you know whilst it might be different to other years, it's still it's still a set of challenges and you're still. I mean, everyone's dealing with the same the same situation. So you know, it, I guess how does it? It comes down to your preparation. You know, a the the staff and the coaches and the, you know, sports psychologists and all that, you know, helping get the players in the right mindset. You know, to me, it's just, it's, it's a challenge of every season. Every season has new challenges and, and, and you know, championship move on. Yeah, I agree. I think you can only beat who's in front of you, whatever the circumstances present, right? Like, you know, we, you know, one really talks about Toronto and their ring now. It's just like, they got a ring. Yes, move on. They don't talk about KD going down. They talk about Clay going down, and you know, it's just a, it's just it, it is what it is. You move on. So yeah, I think it's pretty stock standard. Buckets. Bang on, bang on, everyone. 